You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I just want to start off, talk about one of my favorite topics, superheroes. So as a kid, I loved watching uh, Justice League and X-Men. They were so fun. I am a huge fan of Batman. I think he's really cool, especially because he doesn't actually have powers. He's just smart and makes his own stuff. And I am a huge fan of Spider-Man. I just have, and I think Tom Holland, this might be a hot take. I think Tom Holland was a really great cast for Spider-Man because I've always seen Spider-Man as a little bit of a goofball, and Tom Holland does that. And, um, but as a kid growing up in a Pentecostal church, I always tried to contextualize and try to understand who the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is such a mystery, right? (laughs) And so I decided as a kid that the Holy Spirit's like Superman, you know, um, other than the fact that there's kryptonite involved, like, I don't think super or Holy Spirit has like something that causes him not to have his powers anymore. But other than that, faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, like I see that being the Holy Spirit. As growing older though, I see him a little bit more than just a one-dimensional character like that. He's um, somebody who was sent to earth to be our companion, to help us, to guide us, to shape us. And so this morning, as I was uh, trying to figure out exactly what would be a better comparison where I'm at now? What's crazy enough is I came to my watch. So I've got um, one of those smart watches. And so if you don't have one, some things that this does, it might kind of make you nervous once you hear all the intuitiveness of it. But it actually tells me when I get home when to wash my hands. <laughs> it tells me um, when I'm driving down the road, if I made GPS on, it'll like actually vibrate to tell me that I need to turn. Um, when I need to drink my water, it vibrates to tell me, you haven't drank any water today. Make sure you drink your water. You know, um, there's a setting you can turn on that when you fall, it will like, if you don't like turn it off, it'll notify 911. And so there's so many different things on this. The thing is, is I have to turn on the settings and I have to listen to them. If I just let it vibrate every time that I went to turn or um, ignored it when it told me to wash my hands and didn't do anything about it, eventually I would get used to, because it's a very subtle like vibration on your wrist, I'd get used to it and I'd stop listening to it. And I think Holy Spirit is a lot like that in our lives, that when he guides us and he wants to help us, but if we stop listening to him, then we stop hearing him. And so we're gonna talk about today what it looks like in the life of a believer to follow the Holy Spirit. It's those everyday, ordinary moments that he makes you see that there are actually opportunities for him to move. The Holy Spirit's role is to help us. He is, God's, he is God living in us to reveal Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives you clear eyes to see things the way Jesus does, to see him in the world. So to me, this reminds me of a pair of glasses. Um, All of you glasses wearers in the room, you hear me when I say that wearing glasses and masks are the worst combination, right? Like the mask is on and the glasses fog up and you have to like intentionally breathe down (laughs) to not make it happen. And to me, the Holy Spirit is um, the, the person who clears our glasses and keeps them clear so that we can see things the way that he sees them, see things the way that Jesus sees him, sees them. To refine our character, 
So Holy Spirit also refines our character. He is the refiner's fire. When we lean into the, to his leading, he points out the things that we should change in our lives. He shows us how Jesus would live, and he is the one who convicts us. And so one of, our, uh, one of my encouragements for you today is to say, stay soft to the Holy Spirit. And lastly, he resources our abilities. Just like wind can fan a flame, he fans us. And he gives us the ability to bring the kingdom of God to earth in our daily interactions. The passage we'll be looking at today is John 14, 15 through 7. And we're actually going to be reading it from the NLT. Um, fun fact, in children's ministry, we only use the NLT. And the reason is, is because it's at a sixth grade reading level. We all probably do best at sixth grade reading levels, right? So, but that's why we use it there. But I, I prefer it. I think it's so much easier to understand. So that's what we'll be reading from today. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I am so grateful that you sent the Holy Spirit to us, that we can rely on him and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that he's the one that guides us through life. I just pray today that you open up our hearts and our ears to just hear from you and what you have for us, God. And I pray, God, that you will um, use my words today to um, honor you and to help bring about understanding to such a mysterious being. I'm so grateful for what you're going to do through the lives of this congregation, God, through my church family. I love you so much. So let me set up the context to this passage. So in John 14, he is actually sitting around with the disciples at the Last Supper. It's one of the last times he's going to tell them that he's leaving. And he says, and we, we see Peter speaks up, and Peter's like, as he always does, he's like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to follow you forever, which, as you guys know, he doesn't do that right after Jesus dies, but Eager Peter says all of that, and then it leads into this conversation about this passage that we just read. And I am sure you guys can imagine how the disciples felt in this moment, because they're sitting there hearing the person that they've been following for the last three years tell them that he's going to leave. And they're like, but we've, we've only had three years with you. What are we going to do when you're gone? How are we going to move about and do your will when you're gone? Because you're the one giving us the power. You're the one talking us through all these things. But Jesus assures them. And he says that if they continue to love him, they will obey his commandments. And then he says, and that he will be sending another that will continue on where Jesus left off as an advocate for the disciples, which is the Holy Spirit. As Jesus is God in flesh, Holy Spirit is God in spirit. He is sent to be with believers to convict, comfort, coach, and empower them to enact God's will on the earth. So um, I just want to point out in this scripture that it calls the Holy Spirit he. So Holy Spirit isn't it. Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And so as you're thinking about that, I think it just gives them a little bit more of a dynamic when we realize that Holy Spirit is actually uh, I think the word sentient being. 
By Jesus leaving, a bigger and wider door was opened. As we walk today, as we walk, as we talk today about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believers, I would like to everyone to keep this question in mind. Is there more to God available to me right now than I currently have? I was actually talking to my mother about this sermon this morning. And she gave this example of something God's been talking to her about. She said that God's been showing her that she is in the river. Um, So I live, my parents live near the Mississippi. So everything has to do with the river when they talk. So she says they are in the river. She's in the river and she's doing God's work. She's doing whatever he's asking all the time, just doing God's work. And God's like, you're too busy doing my work that you're not actually seeing where I'm working. And you're not doing where I'm working. You're just doing what you think is the thing that I want you to do. And she's like, I learned that being a part of a believer with the Holy Spirit in her life, she's like, it's not necessarily me just doing all the work and not really. It's actually me listening to where the Holy Spirit is moving and going to that place, walking slowly enough with a schedule loose enough that when he asks me to do something, I'll do that thing. I thought that was great. So as we're going through, remember that question. Is there more to God available to me right now than I am currently have? The Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believers. I think there's three different, four different things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So the first one is the Holy Spirit convicts. So um, in college, I followed this fad that the rest of the students at the college of this TV show, it was, it had a big cult following. Everybody loved it. It was like, we were all waiting for the next episode to come out and it was awesome. And it was so cool because we're all experiencing it together. Well, not only was I experiencing it with them, I was experiencing it in every part of my life. I started thinking about this show when it wasn't on and I started dreaming about this show. <laughs> it started becoming just like the thing that I focused on. And one thing I know about myself is I'm prone to addiction. And this is like an, addic- an addictive sign that is coming up in my life. And I felt the Holy Spirit's conviction on my life that I need to stop watching that show. And I am being very specific and not telling you what the show is. Um, partly because I think some of you in here watch it. And I don't want to like convict you of something that's a conviction for me and not for you. Um, I think that there are certain things that are super black and white, but there are certain things that it might be a sin for me to do it because of my personality, because of my background, that's not a sin for you to do it. And so this thing became a a sin for me. And so I stopped doing it. And to this day, um, it's still going, the TV show is, and everybody still loves it and I'm not watching it. (laughs) And it's hard. But what I, what I know to be true is that when we listen to the Holy Spirit's guiding in the little things, he's going to start talking to us in the bigger things. And when we're sensitive in the small stuff, we'll be more sensitive to the big stuff. Another thing I would like to point out about the idea of conviction, conviction and condem- condemnation are two different things. Conviction leads to repentance. I was actually reading in... 2 Corinthians 7 this past week, it was like the Lord knew I was going to be teaching on this and that I needed this passage. But in uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he's commenting on uh, a thing that they had done wrong and that he had pointed out to them. And he said, 
when you saw that I, you were doing something wrong, you felt godly sorrow. And so in 2 Corinthians seven eleven, this is what he says about godly sorrow. It's just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. So repentance, or conviction leads to repentance. Condemnation moves the focus from the sin to ourselves. It moves it from being, I did a wrong thing, and I'm going to say sorry for it, and I'm going to turn away from that thing, to saying, I am the wrong thing. I am what is wrong with this world. I am what is wrong with all of my decisions. And the thing is, is Holy Spirit isn't like that. Holy Spirit operates in grace and love and kindness. You're not what's wrong because when you came into the kingdom of God as his son and daughter, you were made right in him. So you are not as what is wrong. Your actions, what you did is what is wrong. When a person starts listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they, uh, the Holy Spirit convinces people that God is right, that man needs a savior, that Jesus is that savior, and eternal consequences are at stake. Which reminds me of, um, I think I've used this example before, but in the Chronicles of Narnia, when uh, Lucy comes up to Aslan and says, you're so much bigger. And he's like, every year that you grow, you'll find that I am bigger. And of course, Aslan is uh, the, the Christ in the story. And I think that that's so much true. Every year that I have walked this earth as a believer, I see just how much I am in need of a savior and that Jesus has a big job to fulfill just in me. But you know what? This past year, not only did I see how much I am in need of a savior by my own faults, but by everything that happened this year, I see that we're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of a comforter. You know, this past year, Starting, you know, a year ago, you know, this past week, lots of things changed. Our whole livelihood fell apart, right? And then so many things kept on coming up and up and up. Someone asked me, um, someone I used to work with, uh, so we, we talk ministry sometimes, and she's like, how are you doing? And I said, you know what? Honestly, right now in this moment, I'm weary. I feel like I keep on rolling with the punches and getting back up after I fall down. I'm tired of it. I don't want to have to do that anymore. And I don't think I'm the only one there that's tired of it. You know, but the thing is, is no matter how rough life gets, um, for all of us, there is, and that there's no easy answer, unless, of course, Jesus comes back today <laughs> and takes us to heaven. What we do know is that we don't have to go at it alone. God gave us each other the body of Christ, but then he also gave us the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit comforts, which brings me to an old hymn um, that I loved as a kid. So growing up in the church that I was at, we sang hymns every week. We kind of did like the model where you sang like two hymns and two new songs. So I know a lot of hymns. If you hang out with me for a long period of time, I'll bust out some hymns for you. But the hymn that comes to mind is The Comforter Has Come. And I just want to read the first verse to you. It says, Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes abound. 
Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given, oh, spread the tidings round where every man is found. The comforter has come. To me, this is a declaration that the Holy Spirit has come to be our comforter. And that that means that when life gets rough, when life gets hard, we can go to him to find our comfort. You know, we're not meant to carry the burden alone. The Holy Spirit is to be our comforter and he will never leave us. The world may fade as we know it. People may come in and out, but the Holy Spirit will always be there. I remember at the beginning of last year when everything happened, I I kept on saying to myself that the world's still moving on. You know, spring is still coming And then after that, summer, and then fall. And at each new season, I'm like, things are still happening in the order that it should happen. And one day we'll get back to an order that makes sense. And I just kept on saying that to myself. And in that same way, Holy Spirit is always going to be there for us. When Jesus left earth to go to be with the Father, he left the Holy Spirit to be with us. Jesus is a physical friend. He was a teacher that the disciples could rely on. I was always actually a bit jealous that they could see him in physical form. I was like, isn't that amazing? You know, they have so much faith because they saw Jesus do all these wonderful miracles. He was able to sit and talk with them about life and figure out things. And, you know, he had, he had very, like, individual things that Peter needed to work on versus John versus, you know, everybody else. And I was always jealous of that. But recently I started thinking about the intimacy that we now can have with the Spirit because Jesus is in heaven. As we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit dwells with us, with us, and it is opportunity to be so much more intimate. So at salvation, there's actually um, two different points in a person's walk where the Spirit comes. First is at salvation. The Spirit, Holy Spirit comes to walk with you and guide you and dwell with you. And then later on, there's a moment, and we actually call it here in the Pentecostal church, we call it baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's where we believe that um, you get a, just a little bit deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, and uh, he works in you in just a little bit of a more nuanced way. And so what we're talking about today is actually the dwelling with, the, 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 the thing that happens at salvation. So he's already there with you, with everyone. In John 14, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So the word advocate um, actually is parakletos. And parakletos, another word for it, is comforter. And it describes a cherished friend who comes to help, assist, extort, encourage, counsel, exhort. Exhort, not extort, because extort would be not good, exhort, encourage, counsel, advise, and strengthen. I would uh, like you all to just think back to when was the last time that the Holy Spirit helped you? When was the last time he assisted you or exhorted you, encouraged you, counseled, advised, or strengthened you in your daily interaction? Do you feel like he's there most of the time or some of the time, especially when it's hard or never? 
because you just don't know. You see, the very presence of God resides with you. And have you taken advantage of that lately? Have I taken advantage of that lately? Not only does he reside with you, but the Holy Spirit also teaches, guides, and coaches. When the Holy Spirit came to dwell with the believers after Jesus went to heaven, he came to expand on what Jesus taught, to take the disciples deeper in their knowledge and understanding of the Lord. Uh, I was actually reading through a commentary about this idea, and they were saying that the reason that they needed like an expansion of the knowledge. It wasn't new revelation. It was just an expanded revelation is because they weren't at a maturity level yet to experience that. And the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit is there to help us grow from baby Christian to adult Christian to mature Christian. And you know, the Holy Spirit is not like a genie where you rub its side and comes out and you get three wishes. Uh, Another one is he's not like a vending machine that if you put in the dollar, you press the right button, the right thing that you want comes out. (laughs) He actually is so much bigger and better than that because he knows what we need. He, He wants to meet us where we're at and take us to somewhere better. And so some of the ways that he does that is by illuminating God's word in our life. So imagine the light's off and you open the Bible and then the lights turn on and you can see and you can read. It's kind of like that, but just a little bit deeper. He helps us understand scripture for us. He helps us digest the word and know what to do with it. Uh, One of the cool things about my mom is that uh, she actually started owning her faith when I was a kid. And so I was about 10 years old when she started like praying and reading her Bible regularly and doing it in a way, it was really cool because we watched her pray and read her Bible every day. She didn't hide in a corner. She did it so that we all could see. And because of that, she started serving a lot more in church and doing a lot more. And so she was actually our youth pastor. And so little youth kid, Kate, I went by Katie then, uh, sitting there watching my mom teach every week was super cool. One of my favorite things though that she did is I don't exactly remember what the content was, but one week my mom got up there and taught this sermon and it was really good. And And then about six months later, she came back and she's like, hey, do you remember that sermon that I taught? Yeah, I was actually wrong. That's actually not what the Bible says. I read it wrong. And so the thing is, is she she came and owned what she did wrong. Um, But you can just tell by the way that she lived her life that she was growing and maturing in her faith and that God was revealing more deeper things to her. The other thing that the Holy Spirit does is as we seek the heart of God and the ways of God, the Holy Spirit guides us in decisions and gives direction. There's actually a a book, I think it's called The Best Question Ever to Ask or something by Andy Stanley, and he says in it, what's the wise course of action? I've actually heard him preach about this quite a few times. And it's, you know, it's not always, is there like a black and white answer? It's what is the wisest course of action for you? And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that shows you that wisdom. The answers to life problems aren't always black and white. It's not always clear cut, but that's when the Holy Spirit can shine. He leads us in the wisest choice. And then as we walk out the faith, the Holy Spirit gives us insight to help us glorify the Father and effectively live out the faith. The Spirit interprets and implies the character and teaching of Jesus 
to the disciples. And by doing so, it makes him central to their thinking and real in their lives. And by making Jesus central in their thinking, they were able to effectively live out their faith. We're going to get into it actually in the next point. But we see this playing out for the disciples in the book of Acts, where they actually lived out the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The thing is, is that didn't stop with them. He also points us to the person of Jesus, shows us how to live like Jesus did, and then wants us to make sure that we are walking out our faith by having Jesus at the center of our lives. And I think one of um, the biggest ways that Jesus can be at the center of our faith is actually by the Holy Spirit empowering us. You see, empowerment, that's like at the heart of the Pentecostal theology. Not that God can empower, not even that he will, but rather he already has empowered. You see, faith without power, it's just religion. We have the power at our disposal that we don't even know about, that the Holy Spirit wants to use in our lives. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking to the disciples before he goes into heaven. And he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria into the ends of the earth. What I love about this passage is he's, he's literally laying out to them what happens in the book of Acts. He's like, when you receive this power, you're going to move from this place to this place to this place. And that's what happens. That's what uh, the main actors in Acts, you know, they're real people. But they do is that they are moving the word of God, the gospel throughout all of the land. And Acts is literally a recording of practicing Christianity under the power of the Holy Spirit. The power believers receive from the Holy Spirit includes, these are just some fun ones for us to know, courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. The disciples would need all of those gifts to fulfill their mission. If you believe in Jesus, you have the power of that Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit enables us to engage in supernatural ministry that glorifies the Father and brings help to others. So one of the things, if you're like, whoa, like this all sounds like completely new to me. I don't know what you're talking about. I would encourage you to go read the book of Acts. Go read what happens to Peter and to, to Paul and to the other apostles and how the Holy Spirit worked out in their lives. And I actually really quick just want to read you an intro that I found in the um, it was the Life Application Study Bible. And it says this, as you read Acts, put yourself in the place of the disciples. Identify with them as they are, filling, as they are filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the thrill of seeing thousands respond to the gospel message. Sense their commitment as they give every ounce of their talent and treasure to Christ. And as you read, watch the spirit-led boldness of these first century believers who through suffering and in the face of death took every opportunity to tell of the, their crucified and risen Lord then decide to be a modern-day version of these men and women of God. I think that's just such a strong call to action for us. So uh, a few months ago, I got a dog. Actually, my roommate got a dog. Her name's Josie. She's adorable little uh, golden doodle, sweetest little puppy. And the thing is, is uh, before she got the dog, uh, my roommate and I sat down and we talked about just what I would prefer to see in a dog, what she would prefer to see in a dog, and kind of got on the same page on how to train her. 
And so one of the things that my roommate was really specific on is I don't want her to taste human food. <laughs> and so we've had her for about is March. So we've had her about three months now, and she's yet to taste human food. She's been in different places and has yet. She doesn't know that human food is better than dog food. She has no idea. And one of the worst things, as you know, dog owners, sitting down at the dinner table and having the dog pout at you and whine as you're eating or waiting for you to drop a piece. She doesn't do that because she doesn't know that it's good. And so the reason I bring that up is, do you know what you're, you may be missing out on with the Holy Spirit? The purpose of this message is not to make us all raging radicals, even though at some points that might be called for. This is actually to ask each of us and make sure that we're each genuinely asking this question. Is there more to God available to me right now than I currently have? We tend to be content with what works, maybe because we're like Josie and we don't know what we don't know. Or maybe it's because in the back of our head, we know that to get to that next step God has for us is to change things a bit. How we live our life, how we interact with other people. And to be honest, at points, that's a bit unsettling. Now that we have learned the ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer, let's take a few minutes to explore what does it mean on a tangible level to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. First one is ask the Father. Ask God to fill you with his spirit so that you can fulfill his mission for you. To give you a sensitivity to where the Holy Spirit is moving and to go there. One of the things I, uh, I read it in a book, it wasn't my own idea, but one thing I try to do every morning is say to God, may I move slowly enough today that I see where you're working and may I have the courage to join you. The next one is received by faith. To do so is to change the way you live. It's like that old story, I don't know if this is something my pastor used to say when I was a kid, of the church praying for rain. And uh, everybody would just come and pray and have prayer meetings where they're praying for rain. And one little old lady would show up in her rain jacket and rain boots. And they'd be like, what are you doing? It's not raining. She's like, yeah, but I'm preparing for it. And that is receiving by faith what God has for you. Living in the fullness of the spirit is to be aware of him each day, to look for where he is working and join him in that. It's to engage in a partnership and friendship, to talk to him when you have questions, when you're nervous, when uh, you're wondering what the scripture you just read means, or you need some comfort and to move slowly enough that you have time to listen to his nudges. You see, when we choose to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, things are gonna change. We're going to look differently. Some of you might be sitting in here saying, I do that already. Yeah, but is there another step you can take? Is there a little bit more that you can do that you haven't done yet? Because the Holy Spirit wants to use us in miraculous ways and wonderful ways. So I have uh, this quote that I wanna read to you. Um, but before I get there, I just want to ask you all to stand. Julia is going to lead us in this song after I read this quote. And she, uh, as we're singing this song, I just really encourage you to look inward at what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and how you can join him in that. 
how you can work through him to accomplish his will on earth. Pastor Robert Morris, he said, the Holy Spirit is not, a, is not mystical, he's practical. He wants to come and help every day. He wants to be your walk beside, talk to you every moment, comforting, empowering, best friend. So the question is, is there more to God available to me right now than I currently have? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.